Nice meeting you here in Riga. Uh, tell me about your visit to Riga. This is your first time. Uh, can you tell me wh what you've been seeing, who you've been meeting with? Well, I've met my uh, colleague uh, Zanda, the, the Parliamentary Secretary for European Affairs, uh, Edgar, Edgar uh, Rinkiewicz as well, the, the Foreign Minister, and of course your Interior Minister as well. So I was very uh, interested in discussing the issues that are of mutual concern to Ireland and Latvia, um, European issues, but obviously very interested in the Latvian perspective on security in this region, uh, on the issue of the, uh, I suppose I won't call it immigration through Belarus, but the, the hybrid threats that are now coming uh, from Belarus in the form of migration. And I certainly want to educate myself uh, on those issues in Belarus. The Irish people take a very strong interest in Belarus, for example, because Svetlana Tikhanishaya uh, has spent a lot of time in Ireland. Um, so I think it's very, very important to hear firsthand what is happening at the border uh, and to see what more Europe can do in relation to that. But Ireland and Latvia have you know, quite a number of areas of common interest and common concern. The Brexit issue was a, obviously of key strategic importance for Ireland and Latvia showed us tremendous solidarity during all that process and we're very grateful uh, to the Latvian government for that. You already mentioned the migration issue or basically the hybrid warfare issue and there has been some criticism for Latvia about how we've been handling this issue because on one hand it is a migration issue, right? We have to take the people in at the same time. Uh, we look at the regime, we, we say it's a hybrid warfare and, and then there are some other things that need to be considered. How do you see the situation and how do you see that uh, both from, from our perspective that you've been trying to understand well here as I understood and from European Union perspective? Well, I think the way that Lukashenko was doing this is absolutely outrageous. Unfortunately, this man is capable of almost anything. Um, it has to be stopped. I know that the European Union has had good engagements with, with, in Iraq to try and stop the direct flights into, into Minsk and get them stopped to reduce the flow. But to use people in this way as a threat, as a weapon against countries such as Latvia is completely wrong. Uh, and I fully understand uh, the position that the Latvian government has taken in relation to this. Latvia has, I think, a very good record in relation to the Geneva Convention. But these aren't asylum seekers. These are people who have paid substantial amounts of money uh, on the promise of an easy way into the European Union. And we cannot allow that to continue. The criticism that comes, if, if I can mm. still be on this issue, is that uh, any person that is crossing uh, the border, especially if it's a woman or a child, has to be taken in. But, but the government has been criticized for for not taking these people in. And, and that's where, in a way, the European values clash with, with regional values. Do you, do you also see that in, in that way? Look, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, not looking at what the Latvian government is doing on a day-to-day -day basis. But what I do know is uh, that Latvia faces this issue, which is not a real issue of migration or a real issue of asylum. It is simply people uh, trying to take advantage, advantage of a strategy that Lukashenko has put in place and to put pressure on the European Union, and we cannot accept that. We must treat people, of course, with dignity. We must treat asylum seekers in accordance with the rights of the Geneva Convention. But we also cannot allow people to be used as weapons in this new style of hybrid warfare. Uh, and my full solidarity with uh, the Baltic states and, and indeed with Poland, uh, who are facing tremendous pressure because of this. You already mentioned that uh, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya has spent some time in Ireland and, and you have uh, cooperated with, with her team. Uh, how do you, from, from your perspective, see the resolvement of, of this issue? Do you think the European Union sanctions and, and Western sanctions in general are enough uh, to change the behaviour of the regime or do you think uh, more should be done? Uh, what is your uh, take on this? 
Yeah, look, we've, we work closely with Fitlana and her team. She's been to Ireland to meet me and our Prime Minister, but also, of course, she spent a lot of summers in Ireland. So the Irish people have a very strong interest in what's happening uh, in Belarus. Um, what's happening is wrong, it's outrageous. Uh, the Lukashenko regime needs to come to an end. I am of the view that sanctions can achieve this. Um, we've had a gradual approach to sanctions where we've put sanctions in, then we've increased them, and there may well be scope for more sanctions uh, on that regime and on companies associated with that regime. And what that uh, regime needs to know, and what companies doing business with that regime need to know, is that the European Union and its member states, all the way across to Ireland, will not accept uh, what is happening. There must be democracy in Belarus. Uh, and Lukashenko cannot be allowed to continue with the repressive regime, including up to today. Uh, every single day we hear of outrages in that particular country, and it cannot be allowed to continue on the continent of Europe. Uh, probably you're talking also about secondary sanctions that, uh, that we sh should be imposed, right? Uh, basically, Yeah, the full, the full range of, of, of sanctions uh, against the regime itself and against companies uh, operating. Uh, in Belarus and look they'll be reviewed from time to time but certainly speaking to uh, my friends uh, in Belarus and those who are experts on the issue feel that sanctions can be allowed to work. Now, it's always a question of making sure the detail is right, the European Commission has implemented this, I think they are beginning to have an effect but we're certainly open to reviewing them at any stage and increasing them and certainly no further action such as the hijacking of the Ryan airplane will be tolerated but the repression continues within that country and you know it's not something that we can tolerate on our doorstep. Going back to another topic that you mentioned that you uh, uh, spoke about uh, while visiting here, uh, about, about Brexit. So how have your relations with the United Kingdom have been uh, after, after this? Unfortunately, relations have changed with the United Kingdom. Um, relations between Ireland and the United Kingdom are complicated because the United Kingdom was a colonial ruler uh, for many centuries in Ireland. But because of the unique situation in Northern Ireland, because of the need to maintain peace there, we've come to the view over the last few decades that the only way to do that is by the Irish and British governments working very, very closely together. So for the reason of peace in Northern Ireland, for the reason of good neighbourliness, for the reason that lots of our citizens live in each other's countries, we've always placed relations with the UK as of crucial importance to Ireland. That changed with Brexit because it fundamentally changed the relationship that we have with the UK, they're no longer in the European Union. But we still need good relations with them and we're working to try to have good relations with them. Now that has been difficult because the UK has taken some unilateral actions in relation to Brexit that we haven't approved of and weren't agreed with the European Union. But we're always looking to make sure that we have good relations with the UK and work hard, but at the moment they're not as good as they should be. What I would say to our UK friends is that they need to be at a very high and very positive level in order to maintain peace in Northern Ireland. That's in our interest, that's in the people of Northern Ireland's interest and I believe it is in Britain's interest. I also believe it's in Britain's interest uh, to have good relations with the European Union. Yes, they've left the European Union, but nobody gains by having constant conflict, constant battles, constant disagreements. Uh, we need to bring relations to uh, what I, I would say an even keel. Uh, we have the trade and cooperation agreement that the European Union agreed with Britain, and we need to see that imp implemented now, uh, and implemented in full and implemented in a positive, cooperative and constructive way. You're a European patriot, as, as I, if I can state that, right? Thank you. And uh, <laughs> you, uh, you've worked in the European Conference also closely, as, as far as I understand. Can you tell me more about why is it uh, so important and, and uh, how, how the work has been well, so far? We've got to remember that the European Union has been the greatest peace process in global history. So World War II uh, happened, 
huge destruction in the European Union, the Iron Curtain fell down as well. The European Union managed to bring Germany and France together in ways that were unimaginable uh, at that time of World War II. And it's now hard to imagine a war breaking out. Uh, the European Union has brought democracy and freedom to Eastern Europe as well. In Northern Ireland as well, the European Union was uh, of absolutely critical assistance in the peace process there, and still is in fact. Um, so we see why the European Union is so important, each of us in our own countries, uh, the influence that it has had. So we now come to the question of the future of the European Union. And I think it's a good initiative by the, by, by the institutions of the European Union to bring the public together and to give the public of Europe, the citizens of Europe, their voice on the future of Europe. So everybody is invited to make their contributions known, whether attending events in relation to this, that I know my colleague Zanda, and the Parliamentary Secretary, is, is having, but also anybody can go straight on to the uh, multilingual digital platform and put a contribution up their view on the future of, of Europe in Latvian. And I can actually read it then in English or indeed in the Irish language as well on this European Union platform. So we have all an opportunity to shape the future. We've seen what the European Union has been able to achieve in the past. Sometimes we take that for granted, uh, but now we have an opportunity to shape the future. So I think everybody should get involved. Uh, and if you have any ideas at all, put them in and they will be listened to. This is, uh, yeah, sorry. No. Uh, I, I think that's a, that's a good idea because for, for many years, many people were criticizing that European Union has been, uh, what's happening in Brussels is very far from the general public, what's happening on the ground. Uh, in, in general, how do you see the state of European Union now? Uh, there has been a lot of criticism and, and many times countries are not united, there are fractions within the European Union. So what is the state of it? Well, can I just say, it depends, people need to understand what we mean by Brussels, what we mean by Europe. Who are the people of Europe making these decisions? We are elected MEPs, we have them in Latvia, we have them in Ireland, they work together in the European Parliament. Your Foreign Minister Edgars, I mean, he is the, the second most senior foreign minister in the entire European Union. So the views of the Latvian foreign minister count for so much because of his experience. Um, and I think it's worth remembering that, that when we talk about Brussels, we're actually talking about a group of ministers meeting together, we're talking about MEPs meeting together, and the Commission as well, which is made up of a member from each member state. So, so when we think of Brussels, we've got to think about that. And I think countries like Latvia and Ireland have always had an outsized influence on the European Union, and I think we should cherish that and remember it and use it to the advantage of the entire European Union, which is to spread our values, which are obviously peace and freedom, security, uh, the rule of law, economic development, trade. These are all the issues that are important to us. And I think small countries such as Ireland and Latvia have shown huge influence, both in terms of our policies, but also the individuals that represent us uh, in the European Union. So it's very easy to talk about Brussels is doing this, but what is Brussels? Brussels is lots of people from our own countries. And when I say fractions, then uh, we can talk about some countries as, uh, as Poland, Hungary, and, and rule of, of law, and, and different opinions about uh, many issues where European Union has one, and, and uh, these countries have another look at them. How do you see this cooperation further if uh, such issues just get louder in, in many ways? Well, look, I mean, I, I, in, in Poland, on, on the issue of the judiciary, I know that some progress has been made. And when I make comments on the judiciary in Poland, or I make comments on what I would see as some disgraceful actions in Hungary, I'm not saying it to some opponent, I'm saying it really to a fellow member of the club, somebody that had give, gives us solidarity when, when we need it, and we work together with them on many other issues. Well, we must remember that this club is founded on values, and we must stick to those values. And the rule of law, respect for fundamental rights, are really, really important for many things. Society can only be free 
as Cicero said, if we're living under the rule of law. And I know from the Irish experience, and indeed the Latvian experience I would say as well, from the time we got our independence in, in, in 1921, we've had difficult periods, we've had civil war, we've had uh, troubles in Northern Ireland, but the rule of law was rigidly adhered to. And that not just gave us freedom, but also economic prosperity. And I suspect similar in, in Latvia as well. Since, the, 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 since 1991, uh, and Latvia's re-emergence as a fully independent state, stuck rigidly to the rule of law. Not only has that given you freedom, but I think economic, you know, improved economic prospects as well. So I would say to our Polish and Hungarian friends, this isn't something that is just up in the clouds, that is some theory. This is a way of living that we value in the European Union, but that gives us immense benefits as citizens as well. Uh, Latvia, Ireland, similar countries in, in some ways. Uh, we've been cooperating diplomatically for 30 years. How do you see uh, our relationship? Well, on, on what stage are we? Uh, should we uh, cooperate more or less? Or are we in a good place now? Well, we're now teaching Latvian in some Irish schools. So I think that's really positive and shows, obviously, the amount of people of Latvian uh, descent and heritage that are living in Ireland. But I think it's a mark of respect as well uh, for, the, you know, the, for, for, for Latvia as a country and the importance of all our languages. We have a small language in Ireland. Uh, uh, as well that you know has got European recognition. So I think that's important to show respect, to show that we're close. In my own region, Ireland, we have reasonably substantial proportions of Latvian uh, people of Latvian extraction. That's very important. I think we can work closely together. We have we have we've started to meet with the Nordic Baltics before the European Council. That's very important to us because since the UK left, we have we've no natural kind of uh, fish. Uh, with other countries in terms of the geography, we're, 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 we're out in the sea. France is now our nearest neighbour in the European Union, great relations with France. But the Nordic Baltics, including Latvia, uh, I think we've just a range of good issues on, on the single market, on digital, on trade. Um, rule of law is really important to us. And I, I think we can continue that cooperation. Uh, and now in the post-COVID world, there's more and more travel. Um, and that will mean more movement between our countries. And that can only be to our advantages. All right, thank you so much. Maybe you have something to add. No, just to thank uh, the, uh, the government of Latvia for the hospitality here today and to thank you for, for interviewing me. I think it's always a good opportunity to uh, ensure that our relations uh, remain really, really good uh, and that despite the fact that we're each side of the European Union, that we can work really, really closely together and be very, very good friends and allies.